Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. It's a special edition of the Matt Penny 20. Matt Penny is here. We're going to run through Matt Penny's 20 best prospects in the 2021 NBA draft. Matthew Penny, how you doing, man? I am fantastic. Uh, I'm jacked up. Adrenaline, caffeine. We had Under Armour Association 1 in Cartersville, Georgia. Record number of coaches and media there. I leave tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. for UA Association 2 in Dallas and Frisco. And uh, in the middle, I had two days. Did some laundry. Uh, I took my son to a carnival down the street, and now we're talking some draft stuff. It's a perfect little window of time here. And, and speaking of carnival down the street, we are going to have to warn the uh, the listeners of the show, because uh, I, should I let you explain what's going on down your street right now? Well, yes. So uh, if you hear fireworks in the background, those are actually fireworks in the background. It's not some sound effect for me to celebrate who the number 15 guy on my board is. There is uh, the, the, the the city I live in has these little pockets, these little villages, and mine is is known for being very Italian. So this weekend, every year, they paint the stripes in the road red, white, and green for Italy. And there's a Italian festival and carnival. So there are are rides, there are music and bands and performing artists, and occasional fireworks, both professional and otherwise. So we're uh, we're working through it. Bear with us; it's not an audio problem. We're just bringing you along for the ride. And we're assuming that it's even crazier there because Italy won the Euro over the weekend, right? I, I, yes, I didn't even put those two together. It's normally the culmination is, I, I think tonight's actually a Billy Joel tribute band, which in normal circumstances, I like to walk down there. I don't have the time right now. Sunday night is the, like the, the capstone event. And they have the, the walking of the Madonna down the street and a marching band from the North end of Boston and, and fireworks and the fireworks end around 10 o'clock, but then all the crazy people in my neighborhood. We'll let him off till about two in the morning. So every year this weekend, my wife says she's going to take off the Monday and forgets. And we kind of do the math <laughs> like on the on the move. <laughs> like, oh, it's Wednesday. It's Sunday's going to be nuts. I'm not even here. So unfortunately, she'll have to hunker down without me. She'll have to manage alone, unfortunately. Okay. Yes. So let's just dive right into this because we're worried about this podcast expanding like drastically too long. I do want to talk about Under Armour 1 uh, at some point at the end of this podcast, maybe a couple of guys that stood out. But before we get there, we're going to do the Matt Penny 20. And before you just start listing players, I do want to at least get an overarching sense of how you go about evaluating players. And I mean, like, look, we've talked about this over the course of the last year on the podcast, but like putting together a ranking list is a little bit different, I think, than just talking about players, right? So how did you go about listing and kind of ranking these players in the way that you did? Very fluid. I watched a ton of games throughout the year. I kind of start with a a rough board of prospects and move around guys, kind of. I try not to do every game because we we know how much things shift and how much change. And then you kind of watch some of the trends that are developing within the NBA. As you hear sirens in the background, the festival is off to a great start. I'm not necessarily tied to a guy or, or necessarily like an archetype. I just, there's certain things that stick out, whether it be length or fit or feel shooting percentages i don't have like a definitive stance on on what it looks like other than saying like it's ever-changing it's evolving it's the tournament it's the combine it's measurables i don't try to have it be totally black and white uh there's a lot of gray in there and we'll say kind of piggyback off what you did 
it's difficult to put stuff out there and, and put it out on front street and say, these are my guys, this is who I believe in. So I do give credit to anybody who puts stuff out there because reading your articles on The Athletic and, and reading the bottom once you put out the mock draft, once you said, hey, why don't, why don't you do your board at 20? I'm like, this guy's probably just sick and tired of the 50 comments after every big board about why this guy's too high or too low. <laughs> you know, I, I just... I- I, I used to look at them a lot more, and I still do, like, occasionally look at the comments. I, I don't look at them a ton anymore. Like, it, it's don't, a little... Don't you have to? Doesn't it get you going a little bit? Even, like, some of the funny ones that we'll find for reviews or comments or guys or, or people taking jabs about what oh, players I... should be ranked, and then the person has a bad game, they get really quiet, and about, like, seven days later, like, see, I told you, you didn't watch. You didn't watch close enough. Like, no, I did. Like, I didn't stop watching. That's that's why this the, the boards keep moving because you can't say a guy who's number five is going to be number five throughout the year there's players we started there that are in the 30s there's people that started off the board that are late first things move and the pieces keep changing and they'll keep changing for the next two weeks until the draft comes too yeah no i think that's 100 percent right uh the reason that i say uh that i i look at every review for this podcast so please like rate and review this podcast you you look with like one eye kind of sideways you don't want to be fully involved in it no i would say that the podcast is like the thing that i look at reviews and stuff most on so like please like if if you leave a rating and review like I, i i would love that um that would be amazing please do that and i can assure you i will read it if that is the case but like with draft rankings and stuff like it's hard for me because like Kai Jones, like I watched every game that Kai Jones played this year and tried to figure him out. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't like, I, and I have a pretty discerning eye. Like I'm pretty good at this. I like, I don't know what Kai Jones is going to look like in the NBA. Do you No. I, how many of these guys do you really think? I, yeah. I, it's so it's situational. It's fit. It's opportunity guys that, that get minutes early versus you have a veteran head coach that doesn't like playing rookies or, or younger players. And you have these older guys in the class that are probably ready to contribute, but you let them sit on the bench and, and marinate there for a few years. All of a sudden they're 25 years old and we're talking about second contracts. So it, it, it just, there's so much level of variance to it. And regardless, even the, the best scouts will tell you there's still a dash of luck involved too. Even totally. the very best in the world get this wrong sometimes most times and there's hits and there's a ton of misses so we're okay with being wrong this is just the the way i view it and you view it and we put it out there for people to comment on it yeah like tim Connolly, when i talked to him for the nikola Jokic story i wrote tim was just like this was all luck the fact that we got nikola Jokic, like it was all luck and like i tried to like tell him i was like you know what like you guys did a pretty good job like i, I wouldn't call it all luck and he was like i'm telling you man like it is entirely yeah, luck something happened, happened though it wasn't it wasn't all luck the the pieces all aligned appropriately but they saw right. something where people didn't the hoop summit I, I don't know if it was the the pregame stuff the the goofy demeanor they thought they could change his body the numbers improved from that year the, the two-year kind of gap he had but there was at least something that they had in their their scouting room their draft room where he checked enough boxes that it was worth taking that gamble on a guy there and, and not passing him like the what do you go, 47th? Uh, 41st, yeah. yeah. so in the 40s. Yeah. So, no, totally. Like... <laughs> Just 
buckle up. Buckle I love it. This up. is no great. Escape. Yeah, motorcycle just went by with the boombox playing, but this is uh, this is the real deal, man. You're this is... you're part of my life. I used to I used to have stuff in the background, and I'd be like, oh, can we hit, how do I tell Sam to like press pause? And now I just embrace it. Like fireworks, yeah. motorcycles, Billy Joel cover bands. Come one, come all. It, it will all play, part of the family. If the Billy Joel cover band starts playing. Like, at what point do I have to be worried about, like, copyright stuff <laughs> for Billy uh, Joel? Probably music. 30 seconds of Uptown Girl. That's, that's oh, when have to cut my it off, God. You know? We'll go to commercial break. We'll be right back. We'll, we'll be There's commercial break. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, oh, this is beautiful. Um, but, no, like, like with Jalen Johnson, like, I've watched every minute that Jalen Johnson played at Duke. I've watched a lot of, like, high school minutes at Nicolay. I've watched uh, as much tape as I can find on Jalen Johnson trying to figure him out. The people who comment, like, Jalen Johnson absolutely needs to be higher on your board, like, they just haven't put in, like, the amount of time and effort into this that I have. And those people might be right because this is an inexact science. And I see you and I hear you that you think Jalen Johnson is better. And I understand that. And I think that there's a chance that you're going to end up being right. But, I mean, I also just... Like on Monday, I'm gonna have a 130,000 word NBA draft guide get published. Yeah. So like, it's I, I I gather that, and I I understand that people have opinions, and they should have opinions. That's what makes sports great. But like anyone who's like dismissive about anything with the draft, I'm just like I don't care. Like I, I there's can't a level there's a level of nuance you know? to it too, and yeah. it's it's not even just like all the intel, but sort of other things and stories and situations and, and this is not a, a commentary on Jalen Johnson but there's other pieces involved other than just what meets the eye on TV right. for two hours or a, a workout video for an hour there's plenty of, of workout wonders which we've seen throughout the draft and the combine of of guys breaking all these shooting records and max vertical jumps and cr- but you gotta play basketball too so it's there's there's no one's really figured it out 100 uh, percent even the best gms have have had misses and and maybe different teams and situation circumstances it would have worked for that player but for where they are time and place it, it didn't yeah like do you know how much better at this like sam presti is than i am like sam presti is wildly better at this than yeah, take I the am. over right <laughs> like it is incalculable how much better sam presti is at this than i am uh Sam Presti still took BJ Mullins, right? Like, yeah, well, and, and Sam Presti's everywhere. That that guy's been everywhere. Every uh, the Iverson Classic, Pangos All American Camp. That guy's everywhere. He sees everything. Could miss on a high school kid. It, it just happens. Like you could do all your research, think all things fit, all the developmental coach, strength training. You're the right head coach, and sometimes just the the piece. Maybe it's the locker room. Maybe it's just the rotation. There was a guy who's kind of a tweener played in front of him. There's a lot of things that that have to work for this to work. Like, he took Mitch McGarry and Josh Eustace, right? Okay, like, he, he got to play some of the hits, though, too. He did take those guys, but he... Oh, no, no, no. And he, like, he cracked a couple out of the park. Sam Presti took fucking Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and he took Good Russell one. Westbrook, and took Winner. Kevin Durant, and took James Keep Harden, going. and took Serge Ibaka. <laughs> like, right, my so, point so here so is not eight, to shit eight, on Sam eight, Presti. Yeah, 8 for 11, you're hitting 85%. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing pretty well. But you're going right. to miss. You're going to out sometimes. You're right. Like, it's going to happen. Like, you're going to take, um, you know, someone incorrectly. He, by the way, also took Damanis Sabonis, which turned out pretty well. He just moved him for Paul George, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Like, look, it's, I mean, the whole thing is wild to me. Um, that anyone thinks that they, like, know that these prospects are as good as, that they're definitely going to be this. They're definitely going to be that. The longer that you're doing this, the more you're like, 
oh yeah this is hard <laughs> like this is inexact <laughs> yeah. no one knows. it makes you feel better though when when no one really knows and you can do the revisionist history and look back and see what other kind of mocks were and, and where people had them and it's it's no one's right all the time or in one draft evaluator's case you can go back and change your big board after the oh, fact no. and make yourself look smarter <laughs> i might have to do that my stuff's on a google doc it's in, it's also in real time i'll just get my graphic remade for after the show for uh post post draft okay the penny 20 let's kick it off at number 20 oh, starting some shade this you know why this is good because i i love who my number 20 is because you just said how hard it is and you're gonna freaking crush me so we're number 20 uh, i did want to start off with the polarizing one i do believe it's the 20th guy i'm going with cam thomas from lsu yeah i think that's fine Six, oh, oh interesting okay i think you have i, like I have him before and yeah i have him lower but like I understand why someone would have Cam Thomas high. So we can knock the passing all we want. The guy's wired to score more so than almost every other prospect in the draft. He's proved it at every level. He's the all-time leading scorer at Oak Hill Academy. He led the EYBL in scoring. He led the SEC in scoring at 23 a game. I know he was a volume guy, and 33% from three is not great. But he's going to adjust when he has to do that off the bench. He's a better shooter than that and the 88 percent of free throw line helps that theory all reports are he's a worker he's much better shape than he was as a high school senior he lives in the weight room all he wants to do is hoop and work on his game he can begin his career as sort of this bench spark plug and build off of that yeah i'll be honest i have him at like 22 23 on the draft guide like I, but that's a fine. good but that's a good example yeah. of coming around though too because he was 40 he's 28 now he's 22 it eventually works its way where it needs to be yeah, eventually you just kind of have to buy the scoring. Like it's going to translate. He's going to score. I don't think he can do anything else. And I'm very skeptical that like teammates are going to enjoy playing with that style of player. But he's definitely going to get buckets. And there's nothing more important in today's NBA than being able to get buckets on an island. On an island for call it 15 minutes a game and, and work her from there i think teammates would get worn out if he's doing it for 36 i, I don't envision that for year one anyway yep no I'm, I'm with you on that uh okay all right that was, that was a quick conversation we rolled through number 20 let's go to number 19 that was easy 19 more 19 more number 19 one of our favorites here nashawn bones highland whoo whoo that's a yep get hot that's get a higher spicy. one there's more <laughs> there's, there's more coming buckle up that- you, you were worried about Cam Thomas. That's a spicy one for me. <laughs> I think I'd say you're worried about the fireworks in the background. That too. Bones, sort of an early season deep draft Twitter darling. I had a college coach say to me back in December, he thought maybe we should put him on here, put him in the late 40s was appropriate. Yeah. Exceeded expectations of the big year in the A-10. Almost 20 points per game, which was a jump from nine and a half as a freshman. He finds ways to get baskets all the court. You have to find him in transition, secondary break, isolations. I want him to be a little bit better at pick and roll and playing through contact. I think that comes with added strength. It does help that there were some knocks on that level of competition of play in my alma mater for league, the Atlantic 10, but he was able to back up his ability and then some with what he's able to show at the NBA Combine. A little high. I'm just buying all the the rest of the pieces that he's going to make it work. Where I'm very skeptical is the defense. Uh, 
I don't know how he's going to defend at the NBA level with how skinny he is right now. I think he has good instincts, but I think he has a chance to be like a pretty big mismatch magnet. Um, he's very long and yeah, is he, big he enough. He does have a long wingspan, right? To like contest, I, I just kind of worry that people are going to go through his chest a little bit too easily. Yeah, we could kind of say that a little bit too about about Cam Thomas before. I mean, he is stronger. He's put on some weight in his upper body with, with one stop before, but... Bones Highland, I don't have it right for him, but I, I'm guessing he's at least longer and has a bigger wingspan. I would so he think can, he can cheat a little bit with, with with some reaches and, and jumping passing lanes more so than than Cam Thomas can and will. Yeah, I would think that that's correct. Uh, yeah. th- that's that's probably going to be the hot like the biggest. That's probably the lowest person on my board that you have on your board. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. We got a few more. Oh God. Okay, let's go. Number eighteen. All right, eighteen. I'm guessing you have higher. A tough one for me. I'm going with Alperin Shangun from Turkey. I do have him higher, but I understand the philosophy of not betting on bigs. Uh, explain why you have Shangun there. Right. And I don't want to be a, labeled a rockhead for not trusting the numbers and the analytic projections because what he did as an 18-year-old in international play as an MVP in a Turkish Super League is ridiculous. Close to 20 points and 10 rebounds per game. Evolving as a passer. Evolving as more than a back-to-the-basket player. I do like his offensive instincts. I'm hesitant on the defensive foot speed, lateral quickness, and if the jumper ever really comes around, it's close to 20%-ish for the season from three. I'm probably lower than most. I just wasn't comfortable taking sort of a old-schoolish type big in the lottery. I get that. I think there's a little bit more to his game offensively that could make him you know, a somewhat modern prospect. Uh, I was just talking to a person who works for an nba team before we started podcasting and we talked a little bit about shingun um and we were kind of talking about how the comparison would work like with sabonis and vucevic right uh right what what makes him different or similar to those guys and like can he be like an anchor of an offensive um like an offensive hub in some way i am a little bit uh, a little bit skeptical of that, but I think that he's going to be able to like do it in the way that Vucevic does. Like maybe not in the way that Sabonis does, but yeah, Sabonis, Sabonis a little bit more mobile. I'd say yeah. Vucevic a little bigger, right? So it's kind of like in between those two. Yeah, I will say I've gotten told that like Shengun might be more in like the six ten, six eleven range. Um, you know, oh, whether I thought or not... it was more six nine and change. Yeah, that, that's what I thought, but we'll see. Uh, whenever he gets to the NBA, I would say. Uh, I, th- I think that there's a reasonable chance he's more 6'10", 6'11", um, based off of what I've been told. But uh, That would be, be a bigger swing if he's he's that much. If we thought he's 6'9 and a half and he's really 6'11", that is enough of a difference. I don't know how much higher I'd I'd bump him up, but then he's not as kind of undersized even as a, a 5 then. If he's going to settle into more of that 5 role. He's still under, like, he'll still be undersized for it. But, but it's better, right? It's better, it's not, yeah. He... he at 6'9", it's not like the lineup of death and Draymond's playing. He's mobile and moving around. At 6'11", at least you're a little bit bigger, a little bit more of a rim protector maybe at, yeah. at two more inches. No, I'm I'm with that to an extent. But I, you know what? Like, I have Shingun higher. I'm going to have him, like, you know, something like number 9, number 10 on my board. But at the end of the day, like, I... I understand not betting on the center position, and I, I'm i cool with you doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a few more of, of that ilk I'm sure I'll receive some gruff for, but that, that's why it's yeah. there. That's why um, this is the penny big board, not not a mock draft. This is probably a hedge for if stuff gets wrong. 
But that's yeah. that's where he's at for me. Okay. Uh, let's go. Number 17. Number 17. Another one in our say is too high. I don't care. I'm fine with that. He's a Matt Penny all-star. We have to rep our team. I'm going with Trey Murphy from Virginia. When you said rep your team, I thought you were about, and then you said Trey. I was like, From did UMass. he just, did he just rank Trey Mitchell? Like, oh, what is Jesus, going man. on? No, no. He's not on our team anymore. He left. He's on Texas. Where are you mass guys over here? Uh, For Trey, Trey Murphy. Murphy, the real Trey, late blooming wing with size at Rice's first two seasons. If you talk to Virginia staff, They'll tell you, they had to convince him to not redshirt this season. He didn't think he was ready to play or prepared for the physicality of the league. He then went out and shot 50% from the field, 43% from three, 93% from the foul line. He does have some athletic gifts and vertical pop. I want to see him be more dialed in for longer stretches. That was one detriment that that I called out, and he had a few games, actually, where he kind of slept walked through. Never called on to be an alpha, and he's going to need to have more of that dog in him to stick. I would yeah. guess, and he fixed that archetype, though, of that NBA team search for wings, and at worst, he's a, a great gamble as a 3 and D guy once the, the defense actually comes around. There's more to his game than that, but that's kind of like his floor that I see. No, I'm pretty close to where you are on Trey Murphy. I'm not, not quite there, but I'm closer than you would think on Trey, so I'm, okay. I'm a fan. Well, um, I'm, I'm surprised, <clears throat> but it, it's sort of how you ask, like your theory of doing things, too. It's not even guys tied to a number more than when you actually have to put guys in a spot and you have all the guys on the right and your numbers on the left. And I, I just liked him more than guys that are kind of 20 to, to 25. And that's why he's 17. Does that mean he's the 17th best player in the draft? Maybe not, but that's just where I personally would value him at. Okay, uh, number 16. 16. I know it makes no sense. I know he's old. I'm going Chris Duarte from Oregon. Yeah, I mean, this is the pro Chris Duarte podcast, so uh, go, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you're hitting the 20s, but I, I again, we have to rep our guy. History showed us 22-year-old plus lottery picks don't work out, and I'm ready to be hurt. He shot 53% from the field, 42 from three, 81 at Oregon, decent burst off the bounce, spreads the floor, can play fast in transition, slow down to play in half-court sets. He's able to score in small windows, don't need to run elaborate sets for him or action for him. I just love him as a complimentary piece that keeps the floor spread, then can jump passing leans for steals on defense. I know the age is a thing. I know in a, a normal draft it makes sense in the 20s. For where it shook out, 16 felt appropriate for me. I, I have him considerably higher than you do. <laughs> Excuse me? How much higher? I thought I thought sixteen was going to be like the discussion. I got an next one that you'll you'll probably try to virtually punch me for doing, but I, I thought sixteen was um, ambitious uh, just based uh, on the the guy the track the track record of guys who are twenty two twenty three. It's like two for twenty that that actually make a difference and impact and are worth that draft slot value. Yeah, I've got him higher. Uh, I'll, I'll let people wait for the draft higher guide on. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll let right. people wait for the draft guide in terms of where I'm <laughs> You're just building. Here it clicks. It's 130,000 yeah. words. They're going to be drawn to it. This is where I'm at. Uh, okay, let's take a quick commercial break now that we've gone through five guys. Uh, and we'll be back in a minute here with Matt Penny. Okay. We are back. Matthew Penny is here. We're running through the Penny 20. 
how 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 has this gone for you so far? Do you think uh, so far so good? I whenever I like have a, a point, I kind of like save the guy and wait for you to have a, a reaction. The reactions have been semi normal thus far, so I, I feel like we're a little bit aligned, even though we have a, a slight twist here or there. But uh, overall, I feel great. Yeah, like your your rankings are different than mine. But mm. it's a fucking inexact science. Like I'm it, it is, and I, and I didn't, I didn't want this to just be like a consensus pod or, or view either. Like that, that's kind of boring. I'm not going to do anything wild and have somebody that's projected 54th to go fourth. If there's a guy that can move up ten spots, you just like. Like I'd rather do that than say, uh, oh, I like this guy because he's from a, a high major school and everybody else has him 12th. No, nah, maybe he's 25th on my board. Get over right. it. Right. Not you. Just people, generally speaking. <laughs> No, I'm with that. You know how to get over it. Yeah. Okay, number 15. I think this is the last one. You might jump through a window. Uh, so we went for the oldest guy in the draft. I am going to go to the youngest guy in the draft with Josh Primo from Alabama. Yeah, I kind of I know that you're very high on Primo. Uh, I'm a little bit lower. I understand the upside, but uh, explain why you're a big believer in Josh Primo. Probably another reach I've sold myself on, like you said. Youngest player in college basketball last year. He was playing college basketball games as a 17-year-old. That, that alone and, and being able to take his lump and holding his own is incredible. I love the measurables. He's 6'6", with 6'9", wingspan. He really bought into his role at Alabama as maybe the fourth offensive option at best and was limited to what he was able to showcase from the perimeter. At the combine, which he did play in, which I was surprised because some buzz had been building, he played a bunch of point guard, which showed his vision and ability to create for teammates out of pick and roll. Made a lot of great reads on the break. Has good athleticism. I like the shot. I'm buying the intangibles. Teams rave about his character, his work ethic, interview process. This may be a two years away type of guy, but it's, it's worth the risk for me. Yeah, I think I'm just a little bit lower on like the athleticism and the way that he handles and moves the ball. I do like him. I I do have him near the first round. It, it doesn't bother me that you have him this high. I, I understand the appeal, but I, I do have him mm. lower. And, you know, it's I, I think that if you buy him off the bounce in the way that you clearly do, right? Yes. If you buy him off the bounce in that way, you probably should have him where you have him. You know what I mean? I do. And it may be a little silly, but 15 was kind of as high as I thought I could push the limits. And I had him, I think, 17 or 18 before, then just a couple shuffling of guys based on intel, info, workout stuff that had gotten back that I felt okay moving him up a spot or two. Yeah. I think that that's... Look, if you evaluate the ability to handle the ball in the way that you do, then, yeah, I think it's a reasonable move. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that having him 15 is reasonable. I, I, I'm not that's, quite that's there. The one, that, but, yeah, that's the yeah. one I wrote down and said Sam's going to have some opinion. It wasn't as hot of a take. I'm, I'm shocked that the, the hottest take so far was Bones. I thought yeah, this Bo- was the pro, pro bone safe space. It is a pro bone safe, safe space. Like, I, I am a big Bones fan. Like, we've had him top 40 the whole year when people were like, oh, my God, like, what are you guys doing with Bones that high? But, no, like, I, I just can't quite get there on Bones. I can't quite get there on Primo. But I understand the idea, given the fact that they're both, like, bigger shot creators, potentially, in Primo's case, in a league that really values those guys. This is really therapy for both of us. This is NBA draft podcasting therapy. You're accepting my potential failures and calling out potentially your own so it's it's good we're, we're evolving yeah we gotta love it okay 
The lottery begins now. The lottery. The 14th pick. I'm going with Kai Jones from Texas. Okay. I'm a little bit lower, but yeah. Lower as in like lower in the teens? Yeah, lower in the teens. Okay. Yeah, I actually bumped him back like a few spots today when I was thinking about it more. Only been playing since his teenage years and has been discussed at length how he was a track star in the Bahamas. He was actually at Orlando Christian Prep with Nasir Little and CJ Walker. Then he prepped at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. I'm most drawn to how he has developed and progressed, and the reason I kind of gave his background was the first time I saw him play grassroots basketball, he was terrible. Like, shooting it off the side of the backboard, terrible. To the point, I asked one-time scout Evan Daniels, who was there, what I, what I was watching. Because people had been higher on him, I, I just didn't get it. Kept getting better. And I also distinctly remember at the National Prep Showcase that Adam Finkelstein runs in November of the high school season, Kai had this incredible, like right in front of me, had this hard hedge trap out of a ball screen, deflected the pass, took off, it was advanced to him, he took three starts from half court and dunked, and I said to myself, this could be something if this guy is a actual center, an actual front court player, and doesn't want to be a three and think he's Kevin Durant. At Texas, it was the highest of high-level flashes guy, if someone put together a mixtape he would look like a top three pick on that alone run and jump guy block shots gets off the floor solid from mid-range started off the season on fire from three then cooled off if he can put it together more consistently i could see this one day being too low of a pick for where he is now from a skill set perspective 14 14 ish range felt right I think he's probably the biggest ceiling slash floor big in this class. Uh, if it goes right, he's going to be awesome. And he's going to be like yeah. a top half of the league starting center that like totally. could genuinely be a difference maker with the way that he is athletic. Uh, he is a different kind of athlete as a big man. If the skill in the field never comes along, like he might not be in the NBA for more than four years. Yeah, like, it's a huge it, swing. It's a huge swing, I think. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, to be honest. Uh, but you know what? I'm, you know, I, I've dropped him a little bit, but that's okay. He's still. If you told him pre preseason was nowhere near here. If if you told us during the season or the first couple games he was going to be 14th, we were kind of like selling ourselves that he was better than Greg Brown after the the first game or two. So the kids even yeah. gotten better. We we saw the buzz building the year before, and we thought that this may be a thing, but not not to this level this quickly. Okay. Number 13. 13. All over the board for me, another one. Started the season in the 20s, moved up, down around the tournament, leveled off at 13. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Yep. Yeah, totally I've, reasonable I've, here. I've heard his workouts been good, not great, which was a major surprise for me considering my belief he would be one of these workout guys that set all these kinds of team shooting records. It's just uh, not bad by any stretch, but I, I thought he'd go in and, and we'd start seeing his articles like he's going to be a, a top seven pick because he hasn't missed in, in four weeks. I like the way he hits shots on the move. He's always an enormous value play in the NBA with, with that type of shooting. He It dropped off, but still comically good numbers at 53% from the field, 44 from three, 88% from the free throw line top three in the country in transition scoring he could have finished first I, I didn't want to say first without knowing definitively he's going to have to learn some nba tricks defensively to hide his i guess i'd say lateral inefficiencies and some guys are probably fixated on the tournament where he wasn't quite as good could have ran out of gas a little bit long season big target on his back i'm okay with him uh, at, at 13 with the the size and his shooting that that will translate immediately and you hope that it can hit a, a high clip to start his nba career yeah i think i think i sent you that kispert was first in transition scoring you and our um mutual friend let's say uh one of your very close friends one of my like good friends um friend of the program 
friend of the program who will go unnamed um, until he comes on the show. This is this is an invite because I know you're going to listen. Come on to the show. Um, so number twelve, I think Kispert at thirteen is like totally reasonable. I have him a couple spots lower, but not much lower. All right, number twelve. This this to me, despite the the tape, the film is the biggest mystery man for me in the draft, and that is Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know if 12 is criminally low or criminally high. It's harder not to buy the athletic tool set, and he set the combine record for Max Vert at 48 inches, which I love because it, it felt sort of like, a, I don't know if you ran track in high school or college or, or saw it, but it was, it was the ultimate like high jumper move. Like you take off your sweat, set the record, and shut it down. It just had that like vibe for me that you're just going to go in and choose an athlete, get measurables, and leave. Was an under-the-radar guy coming out of high school until kind of his junior, senior year. Then was good with USA Basketball. Never looked fully comfortable offensively at Tennessee, despite a couple of games where his skill really broke through. He's going to defend. I want the shot to come around more for him to move up in my mind. I bumped him down to 12 from about 6 or 7 a month ago i i don't i don't know what to do with them i'm just gonna be completely frank yeah i i get that i also don't know what to do with them i have bumped him pretty far lower than this i would say um really yeah just i like i like getting these little teasers of the swings that you have too some of the guys i thought be a bigger level of variance but some of these have also surprised me other lower it's just hard like the tape you were, you were always hold on you were always lower on Keon though too I will give you that you weren't necessarily always thinking he was this he was the sixth guy in a top five draft well I, I was preseason I was very high yes. on Keon yeah, of course of course but I mean yes that's but true. I turned pretty quick um, and have turned like over the course of time um, yeah I, I don't have him in the lottery anymore I will like it it's just hard like the tape does absolutely not back that up like the tape for Jaden Springer what? is better than him yeah and it's hard to get past that like the tape is better yeah, for Jaden Springer like the, than his Keon the full this is gonna sound strange like the full tape for Jaden Springer I would agree with that if you just chopped it up into a four minute segments of a couple different games i'd argue that keon's is better but as a, as a whole whole picture probably Jaden's. but i wouldn't t- i wouldn't feel comfortable taking Jaden anywhere near here so i will say i am getting more comfortable with that mm, um, interesting and part of that is talking to teams i mean like i have heard so like i got a call saying like hey you know like Jaden is performing really well in workouts from like a source and i started reaching out and reached out to some players, reached out to some teams, and they said Jaden looks really, really good in pre-draft workouts. And you have to remember that Jaden Springer dealt with like a sprained ankle like the whole year, like a, yes. and that really sapped his explosiveness. And the thing that I keep getting told is like his explosiveness, his pop is like back, and it's really hard to stay in front of him. So. Jaden has always had that pop in workouts. He's always had the pop at one on zero. My hesitation with him has been doing it in a game with a man in your hip and rising up and dunking on him. And Keon Johnson can do that. We've seen it. He had yeah. that unbelievable. I forget what game it was, but it looked like he jumped off a trampoline and dunked on a guy. Yeah. Jaden Springer's more of a, a load two foot jump when he has time to take off. I don't know if he's able going to be able to do that in the NBA. These really short pockets windows to to do it. Oh, no, he absolutely can't do that in the NBA. 
Like there's not really a there there's not a case for him being able to do that in the NBA because he's just not big enough and long enough. Uh, but guys can learn how to jump off of one foot. Like oh Donovan, sure sure Donovan Mitchell did uh, it the, like in a summer. Took the words time off. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. No. It, but it's worth discussing Jaden and Keon. I think together. Um, yeah. They've they've been they've been hand in hand. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting. It's interesting that we've gone like kind of divergent in terms of the way that we've gone on those two, but. I believe we're on number 11. So let's go to number 11 from Penny. 11, your backyard, the Wonderkin, Josh Giddy from Adelaide. Definitely an acquired taste for me. Really poised game for his size. Never really feels rushed, even being as young as he is in a professional league. And sometimes watching tape, I have to remind myself that he's 18 years old, right? He's not 19 yet. No, he, he played this whole year at 18. Yeah. Yeah, he's not 20. The jumper mechanics and speed have, have been better. They've improved. He has excellent feel for the position. Going to need to improve his base, which seems like a common theme for most of these guys, just to withstand some bumps in the paint and not fall over. He doesn't fall over as much, but still a little worrisome that if a rotating big comes and cracks him, he's going to be able to get up. Is also going to need to play alongside some switchable wings defensively on the perimeter that can bail him out once he's beat. I have a soft spot for big facilitators, so he won me over for a lottery spot after about six games or so it took a while when i the first one i i think i texted you and this was months ago and i said what am i watching I, this you were like what this the isn't fuck gonna work is this he, yeah he like <laughs> steps in for a shot which is weird and yeah he has the same fireworks that i have going off in the street next to me on like makes and it was just it was a weird watch and you had to keep keep at it a little bit and watch how bigger facilitators are, are coveted still in the nba in the league and see how that fit maybe two years down the line when he is 20 or 21 years old yeah like has the weird split-legged finish kind of thing on the jumper which i don't love um yeah it's interesting it's he he's an interesting player Uh, i have him right around this range i would say so i I don't i don't think you're right or wrong to have him here uh okay number 10 i believe we're up to number 10 another guy that i've I've shifted around the board throughout the year was high was low we're now at 10 moses moody from arkansas yep We're going to start with a laugh. There was a report from Yahoo Sports that on a social media poll from the Sacramento Kings, (laughs) there is a question if the Kings should draft Kai Jones or Moses Moody, to which Moses Moody, on his personal account, voted for Kai Jones. (laughs) That's a a rough start to to have that and be in that range and say, take the other guy. He clarified. He said he didn't want to be. Uh, you don't want to be over the top. He's trying to be humble. Just uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what, what to make of that. Yeah, As a prospect. He's. I, I mean, uh, I, I will make something of it. Uh, <laughs> that's anyone, like going through a podcast. Like you do five stars every time you log in. Well, I only give four because I didn't want you to think that like I thought too highly of myself. Yeah, anyone who like has done background on Moses Moody, who's talked to Moses Moody. I mean, that that includes you. Like you. I mean, I've literally seen your moses moody like scouting report uh just like a great kid like an absolutely great kid i can assure you that he meant nothing by like yeah i'm not like oh yeah i'm trying to avoid sacramento oh no i'm I'm not trying to make anything of it i just i saw it laughed i'm like i have to share that because that's that's too awesome no it's it's hilarious and it's absolutely worth sharing but I, I even saw some comments like on his tweet, like not believing him. Just trust me, <laughs> like absolutely trust me that there was nothing meant by that. Well, it, it was. I I did. I'll, I'll applaud the kid for owning it too. Because now, anytime there's a questionable tweet, you just say, "Oh, I was hacked. It wasn't me. It was, it was somebody hacked me and, and voted for it." Okay, yeah, sure, right. sure it was. 
Sure as a hack. Okay. As a, as a prospect, 6'6", six, six, 7 foot wingspan, 17 and 6 per game, shot 43% of the field, 36 from 3, 82% for the free throw line. I remember a senior year at Mount Verde, an NBA scout kind of texted me asking why he wasn't ranked. He's been, when he was like a sophomore, he's like top 30, then he kind of like lost his jumper a little bit, then came back his senior year. Has defensive tools, and he's had plenty of 3 and D labels kind of thrown at him. The shot looks right, and that 36% three i hope is going to go up and i don't say as a generality i I actually do believe it because i've seen it and held his own in the sec he hit the freshman wall a little bit in march which of course is the worst time to do it from an exposure standpoint so some scouts still a little sour on him have to see the whole package and and hopefully not fixate on a couple of games okay i'm i really like moses moody as well i think that that's pretty clear uh number 10 Nine. Number nine? Yeah. Moody was 10. Number nine, another elder statesman. I'm going with Davion Mitchell from Baylor. Yeah. Win a national championship. He was awesome. He was such a, a major, integral part of it. He's relentless on both sides of the ball. Makes extra energy plays. Cuts off guys. Dives for loose balls. A walking momentum ship type of player. Shot it at 45% from three, which is high with a small sample. I, I do think it's better than the the low 30s his first two years of college strong vision seeing guys out of pick and roll there's no surprises out of him there's no real i would argue no real flash and i mean that as a compliment there's some sort of marcus smartish type tendencies as this bulldog defender that needs to be on the floor to close games i know some people are skeptical of his age of the shooting if it's real or not i know nine is a, a touch high but for for this draft that's where i just ended up slotting him at yeah i have him right in that range as well i think it's totally reasonable uh reasonable place to have mitchell i I get the shot concerns i think they're pretty real like he did not make enough uh threes from long distance this year for my liking i did not shoot well from long distances this year beyond like 25 feet as opposed to like the 20 to 25 feet that he was really effective this year those shots become mid-range shots in the nba for the most part so you know i I, yeah i i quite like to bet on character and competitiveness and work ethic and everything like that and there are a few guys that you will come across who get more rave reviews in that regard but um yeah in the case of davion there there are some concerns that are tough to get past but just elite athlete plus uh just all the you know all of the work ethic stuff and the fact that he's a great passer and the fact that he's a great defender like there's just a lot to like yeah believer i am a believer Okay. So, he, he was nine. We're up to number eight. And for eight, a riser in the draft, I'm going with James Booknight from UConn. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, let's hear it. Six foot five. He took single digit. We've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Uncontested shots this season at UConn. His workout videos in, in Miami and from his pro day show that he can actually be sort of automatic without a hand in his face and kicking his legs out. I don't mean that that's necessarily going to translate to he's a 40% shooter from three, but just you see more of it now where he's not trying to work through double screens and a guy trailing him and stepping up and he's fading away he's forcing whatever he had to do to make an offensive impact at UConn because that was the game he had to play he was very effective at mid-range with short jumpers and floaters like many that he does need some more strength to help deal with the physical nature of the NBA he's going to be chucked when he does go in the paint I like some of the defensive flashes was lost here and there, but the athleticism lends credence to the fact that he can be able to get there. I don't think he's going to have too much of an adjustment phase scoring wise, at least when he gets to the NBA. I agree with you on that. Uh, one of the great, like, you know, set up counter players in the NBA right now. 
basically, um, or in the college game going into the NBA right now, uh, puts immense pressure on the basket. Uh, great finisher at the basket. Uh, I think he's kind of underrated defensively, don't you? A, a little bit, a little bit. I had to go back and watch because I think we had talked about it before and people had had questioned it. And I, I see some of the lapses and some of it does get cracked with screens. And I, I think it's more of just his body type and because he will fight low and try to get around some of them. And in recovery, doesn't die in a lot of plays, but it, it's, it's not perfect. No, it's not perfect by any. Uh, okay, give me number six. Number seven first. So number seven. seven. I keep miss. I keep uh, no, losing track. It's okay. We're, we're, we're used to doing mock drafts back and forth. You get your own numbers written down. Another guy I, I didn't know to do with. I've watched him for many years. I have Scotty Barnes from Florida State. Okay. Here we go. This is low. The, low the, uh, seven. The world is rising on Scotty Barnes. You talk to NBA teams. They are enthusiastic about uh, Mr. Barnes. Uh, so I've seen him when he's at the university school in Florida, playing Vernon Carey, and then alongside Kate Cunningham and Mount Vernon Academy, up to his summer grassroots summers and his one year at Florida State. Highest level intangible guy, vocal, defends, plays within the team concept. I love his size. I love his positional versatility. I like how he can make plays from the front court. I can't get around to the notion that he's a point guard. I know it's out there a little bit. I, I don't see that. I definitely think that he can make plays and play some point forward once the game gets there and he can face up and do some stuff off secondary ball reversals i just don't know if he's your initial point of contact bring the ball up and starting your offense and for where he is right now i i love him as kind of this third guy on a championship team the ones above him and and six and seven is pretty close i just value a little bit more the reports are ultimate character guy enthusiastic guys love playing with them no one will say anything negative about them i'm just not as sold on the offensive impact based on what i've seen the shooting be for man almost like four years at this point we've started to like get some hey well, is scotty a top four guy is he better yeah. than jalen suggs yeah I-, I cannot even fathom that uh in and my no, opinion I, I'm glad you said that because I like, I'm not there. Yeah, like I, I cannot fathom uh, Scotty Barnes higher than Jalen Suggs based off of what we've seen thus far. I get projection based off of the physical skill set and the body, but man, I just can't quite get there with his offensive game and inability to score. Right? If if it does, it, it's a huge if because. The offense, the jumper is, you can say it looks better. I, I'd watch snippets of his, his pro day stuff as a short pro day, and it looks a little bit cleaner. It looks more consistent the way he's shooting every shot. There was a, a stretch in high school where he would shoot, and you would have no idea what the form would look like. The arc would be super high, super low. He'd be shooting twisted. And then he has these catches and shoots in, in Florida State games where it's like, that looks right. It looked more right in his pro day stuff. I just, I, I have to see it more. I have to see it actually in, in NBA games and settings over an 82 game season. I know it's a little bit of a cop out because for other guys, we're giving them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. But when you get this high, I don't think you can take as many wild swings on what ifs. Oh, the, the margin for error is just so much smaller. It, it Once you get into the top five and six and seven, like it's just so hard. Um, okay. Number six. Number six. You're going to hate it here for the heat. I'm with Franz Wagner from Michigan. So uh, I'm good with that. I, when I, I've been like kind of doing math on my board in terms of like, wait, like who could he have there? 
Because I have... <laughs> so, so you're actually going in real time. I was, like, yeah. loading up for that one, bracing for impact. I, I know you haven't been as high on him. I, I figured you probably had him, like, ugh, mid-teens or so. Yeah, it's about right. I, and I think he's fine. Like, if he goes, like, number nine to Sacramento, who, like, desperately needs defense, like, I, I would have Franz Wagner probably pretty close to there for their specific great, team. Great fit there. Yeah. So, like... Totally get it. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are situations where Franz Wagner as high as, like, you know, nine or so makes sense to me. Yeah. And watching and sort of rewatching film, he feels like one of the more safer plays in the draft at 6'10". Defends all over the place, makes great reads defensively away from the ball too, and recovers. 12 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Not eye-popping, but solid numbers. He didn't struggle versus Scotty Barnes in the tournament, and that was kind of one of these storylines of, How's it going to work in the NBA? If you can't do it versus Scotty Barnes, he was very good. Can make plays off the bounce with a dribble or two. And if he's cut off, he just skips it opposite and keeps moving without the ball. He's not one of these guys that's going to over-dribble or, or force something that's not there. Knows how to read defenders out of pick and roll. They did a lot of those elbow pick and rolls throughout the year and in the tournament. He feels like the at his floor, I'd say his basement, like a high-level rotational piece at worst. And I, I hope that people don't let that air ball in the tournament blind you to how much he impacted the game throughout the year uh, at Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I, I have him lower, but I think there is a case, basically, to kind of make this work. You know what I mean? Like, if I you want to put him there, I'm I'm comfortable with it, at least in a way that I wasn't, like, wildly comfortable with. Um, like, I, I was worried for a second you had Jalen Johnson there as, you, as we were, like, going no, through it. And no, I was like, no, oh, no, 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 okay. No. No, we've, we've talked about Jalen. We had him in the in the teens, and I wasn't, regardless of how the, the year kind of shook out at Duke, I just didn't show enough for me to include him. I, I know there's a lot of draft people that value him pretty highly, and there's some NBA teams that are coming around because the workouts have been great. There's just too many too many question marks on his game, not even everything else that went on for me to, to have him that high. I Actually, we did 20. I think I had him like 21 or 22. So he's still a first-round guy that you, you take a gamble on, just not this high. No, I'm with that. Let's take another quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right, Matthew Penny is still here and we have a top five to go on the Penny 20. Matthew Penny, give me that number five overall player. Number five and... There's been some talk about whether he's number five or not. He's a hard number five for me, as I see him slipping other places, and that's Jonathan Kaminga from the G League Ignite program. Six foot eight, no true position, which I actually see as a positive. He scores all over the court. He's hard to stop in transition. Utilizes his size and quick post. Has to be able to shoot it better than 24% from three, which he did in the G League bubble. If that was 35%, I may have even considered bumping him maybe a, a spot higher and i remember the the first game of g league night or maybe the second people are saying i don't know maybe he's number one maybe he's number two and then the shooting kind of popped his head back up i see the defensive lapses lapses sorry and i attribute that more to needing reps playing at a higher level at that end rather than lack of consistent energy did end up with 16 points to seven a game for this g league night uh he did dominate when he was the first option of high school and grassroots ceiling I, I'm a believer in his, his high, not as anyone on the board, but higher than the, the guys are below him. So that's why he's fifth for me. I agree with you. Uh, I know that it's been popular to drop Jonathan Kaminga uh, over the course of the last week or so, it feels like. 
I agree. I have him as my number five. And I I don't want to say people are overthinking it because I think there is a lot to be concerned about with Kaminga's tape. Like, I don't just attribute the defense to, like, awareness. Like, you go back and watch that tape. Like, there are full possessions. He just doesn't get in a defensive state. You know what? And, like, <laughs> well, well uh, yes, there there were. And there were also, and he's not the same guy, but we we've been – chastising back in the day we both had Lamelo number one we said there's possessions where he was tying his shoes for a whole possession too not the offensive player Lamelo is i'd say he got better defensively not the best in the nba but at least manageable and uh, i think kaminga can get there i think that that's i think that's right to be honest i think that's mm. the right way to okay the top four everyone has been waiting for mm. matt penny give me number, number four. four number four this is this is where it gets really hot number four for me is evan mobley from usc you hate bigs for a tall I man hate you hate bigs i i hate i hate bigs and he was mr everything his college season he showed the full package can score on the post score to three passed the ball and saw cutters he made the right looks even when they didn't convert so his assist numbers weren't necessarily as high it wasn't like he was making the wrong reads not the strongest player in the world but still able to get to his spots on offense i love his timing and second jumps as a shot blocker i want to see a little bit more toughness and durability he didn't always perform well against bigger stronger players and even that tournament run i I never really thought that he was the the alpha out there in the lineup and I, i want to be clear because he is fourth and this is probably lower two spots ish than a lot of people I really, really like him as a prospect. I just really, really like wings and big facilitators more. Him at four is a, a me problem and not a testimonial against his ability. Yeah, I get that. Like, I, I don't think you can have Evan Mobley lower than four, but I think there's a reasonable case to have him at four. Give me number yeah, three. Yeah, I don't hate now. him. I, I, I don't. Number three. Number three. This, these were tough. Two and three is hard for me. I went back and forth. <sighs> Here we go. Number three. I'm going with Jalen Green from the G League Ignite Ooh. program. You are uh, you are on my page with the okay. Suggs Green well, if we've, discussion. We've aligned a little bit. Uh, he received rave reviews from people around that G League program. He bought into everything that they did there. Uh, I liked it, aside from the basketball. I liked his body language. I like how he didn't jack up shots every position. Everyone said how coachable he was, how much he worked on his game, and he sort of settled into the prospect he is by game three or so electric athlete creates for himself will be able to convert out of side isolations 18 points per game he bumped his three-point percentage up after a couple stinkers to 36 percent and i'm buying the potential as a 20 point per game scorer down the line in the nba i honestly don't even know if it's going to be down the line like well, we got like, somewhere we can't if, we, if he averages 11 as a rookie we're going to be called idiots so you had say yeah down the line maybe it's year five maybe it's the second contract but he'll get to 20 Oh, I, I think, like, it could be, like, year two. Like, I don't think it'll be as a rookie, but I think, like, year two, year three, like, wouldn't surprise me at all if he's averaging 20. It's a lot, but it's possible. Yeah. Um. Okay. Number two. Number two, the quarterback on the floor, Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. God damn it, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> Special prospect. He balances scoring and passing really well. I trust him with the ball in his hands. He sees and thinks the game really well. Was so real, much more real of a run pass option kind of guy. Run pass, take your option. He can bootleg out the offense, run quarterback. <laughs> uh, he was a me first scorer in high school. I mean, he was at Minnehaha Academy with Chet Holmgren, but I never saw the passing stuff. Not that he didn't have it in him, but the Gonzaga experience is so eye-opening to me because he readily deferred to his teammates. And yep. then he called his own number when they needed a bucket. And to the point of there were some games when people said, 
Jalen Suggs needed to be more assertive and score more, which was like, am I in the twilight zone? Like, all he did in high school score. He Like, he didn't really pass. And you probably saw him play more Under Armour games than anyone. Yes. I mean, he was on our circuit for three years, so I've, yeah. I've seen a lot. I mean, he was he was like 15 playing 17 new, and his team was really bad, but he averaged like 20 a game. Like, he was scoring, and it was, honestly, it was unbelievable because he was the only guy, and, and Chet, I think Chet played like 16 new for a little bit, and then Chet got bigger, and they played the one year together where they're kind of like the super team. But initially it was it was the Jalen Suggs show and like a couple football players and a couple low D ones and then they added pieces. I just he's gonna keep getting better too. He works on his game, the right situation, I, he could be a really special player. Yeah, I'm a big Jalen Suggs fan. Uh people who have followed my work, I, I think it's just very clear that I have Jalen Suggs at number two. Uh, I agree with you, Penny. Uh, I am I am a fan. I am a big fan of uh of what he is going to be in the future i think uh and he's really good right now as well it's just hard to find guys that are this strong this athletic this explosive have this kind of demeanor uh this kind of flair for the moment along with the skills that he has like it, it's yeah he's an impressive dude I think. And, and two and three you it, you have to make a choice if you're drafting second but if you flip a coin and take the other guy i'm not I'm not dying on a hill that he's a thousand percent going to be better than Jalen Green. Those two are both going to be really, really good. And I so is Evan Mobley. Like, don't don't get it twisted. Okay, explain why uh, your number one is your number one. Cade Cunningham, number one, Oklahoma State started number one, ended number one, grand opening, grand closing. I love Cade Cunningham. I hate the sort of shade, sort of slander of who should go first. That's popping up just a little bit, just just enough. He did whatever was needed. At Oklahoma State played the one played the five he passed the ball he took threes plenty of edits out there where he made the right decision a teammate didn't convert even for the defense keying in on him every single thing he did he still shot 44 percent of the field 40 percent from three and 85 percent for the free throw line which i feel like isn't discussed enough how crazy that is and for us grassroots snobs it's a good bit when his passing is questioned a little bit because all of us remember how dominant he was as a primary facilitator for Mount Vert Academy and on the EYBL. Put him at the one, put him on the wing, I don't care. He's a franchise cornerstone. Don't have to argue if he's the best or second best player on his team. He's going to be right there in time. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty laughable to question Cade Cunningham's pass. Uh, it just shows that you haven't necessarily put in enough work uh, to learn what he is capable of and what he has been able to accomplish throughout the course of his prep career. Uh, to me, one of the prospects that has the fewest weaknesses that I've evaluated uh, over the course of the time that I've been doing this, I am an enormous fan of Cade Cunningham. Enormous and... I am waiting. I'm, I'm interested to see the, the stories, too, about if Detroit takes them first or there's a trade. does add that element of intrigue the next few weeks we have here. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to take them. I, I still think they're going to take them. Like, look, I, I was the person who I think published first, like, hey, like Detroit's going to like go down this process and like make sure that Cade is the guy. I think they're going to take them at number one. I, I still think that. Um, but you absolutely have to go down the road of confirming that you know what i mean you homework. have to do it right yeah you have, you have to bring in three four guys we, we've talked about it's a a five guy draft you think it's three or four you gotta you gotta bring them in you can't just there's been very few gms who have said this is the guy right away even if it is the guy right away you still have to do your due diligence to make sure it's correct no and, and i think that that's what they did and i think that um 
they're probably going to settle on Cade at the end of the day. Uh, that's not a settle. Yeah, obviously it's not a settle. <laughs> uh, not for us. Not this program. So uh, as we uh, as we are winding down the Penny Twenty, there is a story out on the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Soprano star James Gandolfini was offered four million dollars to take over Steve Carell's role on The Office. Stop. Stop. We're, we're not talking about this. For what? what? Wait, hold on. Pause. Let me take a pause. What, when did this happen? What was the year? Is this before D'Angelo Vickers and Robert California? Like, where does this fit in the kind of timeline? When did James yeah. Gandolfini pass away? It was apparently, like, before the, um, like, D'Angelo Vickers, like, Robert California thing. So would he be, like, a new boss? That's the impression I'm getting. Interesting. I, you can't do that. He's Tony Soprano. I'm sorry. He's Tony Soprano forever. It's just, he get typecast. It's the gift and the curse. But I'd just be, like, Im- imagining Tony Soprano pushing papers and mad that, you know, Polly Walnuts didn't fall off the hit writer. You know, Jackie Jr. was doing this. And where's AJ? Like, you can't do that. It wouldn't so, work. It, it's, a, it's a fun story retrospect. It can't happen. So the story is that apparently... Um, and like, I don't even uh, like the math, like doesn't even totally like add up here in terms of date. That's what I'm saying. From these guys, like it, it would have almost had to be like your six of the office or something like your seven, maybe. Um, it, takes a, it takes a turn there, too. I watched them, but there's a lot of episodes, those later seasons I've watched once. Whereas the first four seasons, like a thousand times. Maybe. Yeah. And, and I, I say this James Gandolfini commentary as also we, we live through Stringer Bell from The Wire being the head of Dunder Mifflin paper. So we've, we've kind of been down that path a little bit. Well, and um, apparently, so the story is that HBO tur- or paid him $3 million not to do it because they apparently wanted to <laughs> keep the legacy of The Sopranos pure, question mark? Um, I, the, it seems very strange to me uh, all around. That's, a, that's a, a dream, though. He had paid $3 million not to work. Please do nothing. Here's a check. Please just sit down. And we're going to play this forever on reruns and on demand. And we don't want anyone thinking that you're anything other than the guy that runs the, the Bada Bang and a crime family in New Jersey. Yeah. Some NBA team who does not want my information out there in the public, please pay me $3 million to know. <laughs> I think that's kind of how scouting departments work, though. You, you got to check and you can't do podcasts or, or tweet anymore. You, you find people just their, their tweets are vanished. So maybe that is part of the process. That's right. It would be That's a big right. number, though. It would have to be some James Gandolfini office money. Yeah, uh, you got to a tailspin now thinking about this. <laughs> you got to got to get me that three million number. That's the that's the uh, that's my beginning salvo to NBA teams. Uh, three million to no longer tweet. Good value. <laughs> Uh, no, three million, and I can only tweet about movies. That's it. I think you can do that. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Um, okay, so Penny, I wanted to let you kind of wax poetically about Under Armour One and some of the guys that stood out to you this weekend. First event with uh, all hands on deck, and I did think, and, and not to get too corny, it was a great opportunity for our our programs and our kids because with the transfer portal and, and everything that's gone on in the world there was all these kind of reports and theories that ah it's going to be lightly attended people aren't going to be out oh coaches were out it was the the most we've ever had all levels high low mid na juco a little bit of something for everybody so i was i was glad to see that a couple of guys that that stood out and i'm going to be able to see a lot more and some younger guys this weekend first one and i, I made quick little videos on both of them 
because they're higher ranked, but the the buzz, I think, without a true high school season hasn't been there. The first is Arturo Morris from Dallas Showtime. He used to be this type of guy who just played so fast, and he slowed down his game. He's a little bit more nuanced, score off the dribble, really good body control, fills it up. When he gets going from three, he's really hard to stop. Kind of like a top 30-ish type ranked guy that's more solidified it. I wouldn't say that necessarily like slid him up the rankings. And he'll he's playing next season at high school in Texas with Keontae George, who's another top 10, top 20-ish type recruit. So that will be a great backcourt. He played really well there in, uh, in UA Session 1. You said you had a couple guys? I did. I didn't know if you had a comment or something. So the second one was... Uh, I haven't uh, seen Arterio more, okay, so like okay. I have no be, comment be, right now. Be, no comment. The second one, you, I would guess you probably haven't seen yet either because I was texting somebody today. I said, do I say late bloomer or do I say under the radar because he's from... Arkansas, so which does have a ton of talent, but just not necessarily on the national scene. Playing for all Arkansas red, seven footer Khalil Ware. He was great at Pangos Camp, and he is just kind of like not a bit guy, but you're on a team with eight other high majors. When he played with his grassroots team, I was just interested and curious to see how he would be as the guy, and he did everything. I mean, he he blocked shots, he hit threes, he made moves off the dribble. Very fluid for his size. I want the light to, to stay on a little bit longer, a little bit more. But, man, when, it, when it's clicking, he's a, a big-time impressive prospect. And he ended a game on a fast break with a windmill. And he's seven feet and has really long arms. So just incredible package that if he puts all those pieces into into one game and can really do it on both sides of the ball, he's going to be a, a very special prospect at the highest level. Yeah, I have not seen him either. The guy that I have seen that I was told was like awesome this weekend was Jaden Shutt. Yes, so he was. And the Illinois Wolves, I believe they went 7-0, run a lot of great action. So the game I sat down, and he's kind of like a volume guy from, from three, and I guess he didn't shoot it the other games as well, but I sat down on court four, I think, and ton of college coaches, and he hits... He hits a three, and the way he hits it and squares up with confidence and runs back, I'm like, this could be something. Next play, he hits another one. Next play, he hits another one. And then they call timeout, and sure enough, Mike Mullins, coach Illinois Wolves, knows he's going to be overplaying. He overplays, makes a hard step to the three-point line, guy jumps, goes back door, then yams a, a two-hand dunk. And then he had a, a Duke offer about an hour later. Total package as a, as a shooter. Uh, it leaves his hand. You, you think it's going in. He was he was really really good. He had I don't know about this season, but the season before he had the I think he tied the state record in Illinois for threes in a game. I think it was either thirteen or fifteen. So has a, a definite value as a as a floor spacer and can do a little bit off the bounce too. Okay, so that's a that's a good trio. I think that we can save some more for next week after you get back and yeah, we can talk a bit more. more of a, a dump download. Yeah, I'm in on that. So. Penny, we went an hour and 10 minutes. Like, we did well. The record, shockingly. Yeah, I I thought some of those guys, you just went right up to number 13, number 12. I I thought we'd be. We we prefaced by saying offline, let's not make this two hours so people kill us. Yeah, we we don't want murdered. That's our goal. Don't (laughs) murder us. Not right now. Not right now. Too many grassroots events left in the season. Can't can't die yet. Cannot get cannot get murdered penny still has to organize a lot of events um okay movies you definitely did do you watch any flight movies uh, that you know what i wanted to and I, I will not name the airline 
there wasn't anything new. The new releases were all like two years old. So I was, uh, I just ended up doing a little bit of work and then we had an early flight the way back and the last two nights I've just kind of been watching film and writing up my scouting report from the last event and trying to prepare for the next one. So I, I knew this question was coming, but aside from below deck on the background last night, nothing new. We, we really got to start a below deck podcast. That's the key here. Oh man. You. Oh man. I can get some people on that. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Penny being the co-host. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a certain media member in the grassroots college basketball space who has a close friend who's on the show. So we can pull some, we can pull some angles. We can pull some strings. Oh my God. Um, okay. So I watched four movies over the weekend. No, oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, maybe three. I think I only watched three. Um, I watched Honeydew, which is like this weird movie with Steven Spielberg's son. I did not think it was very good. <laughs> I, Shocker. I okay. Yeah. Yep. It, it has the most bizarre Lena Dunham cameo I think I've ever seen. It, you, you cannot imagine a more bizarre Lena Dunham cameo. And when I say the name what? Lena did Dunham. Did you watch Girls? Yeah, everything was bizarre. The whole show was like, uh, I couldn't look away, but like, what am I looking at? Like, what's going on here? So if it's stranger than that, more bizarre than that, I... I think that's going to be a no for me. Yeah. Uh, it should be a no for you anyway, because it's like a bad, overly stylized, like, mess. Um, right. Watch Fear Street Part 2. I like Fear oh, Street Part that? 1. See, I want, uh, yeah, I wanted to watch those. I was just swamped with stuff. Couldn't get to it. I, I'm in on it. I'm in yeah. on the vibes. Like, it's it's a, it's a movie series that's, like, just 100% about the vibes and yeah. the, like, world that they create. But they're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm not saying they're the most amazing things in the world, but I'm in. I enjoyed them. Yeah, we like vibes. I, I, that's still when I put my head back up from water. That's that's definitely high on the list. Both of yeah. those. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you, they are like like you are not going to be able to watch those with your wife. Like she, uh, I know that. That's that's yeah. the problem. I'm going to go downstairs, have about an hour before bed, and I don't think I'm I'm squeezing out that. So maybe a playoffs. It's a bad idea. Okay. Uh, and the last movie I watched is Riders of Justice. It's a Danish movie with Mads Mikkelsen. It's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> like one of my favorite movies I've seen in two or three years. I would say. Uh, what what platform is it on? Uh, we rented it on Amazon Prime. It just came out. Okay. It is like a combination, like action revenge movie, uh, like think piece on like fate, uh, like a look at like trauma, and then also a slapstick comedy. Uh, it is sounds like a lot's going on, like a lot's a, going on. I don't so know like slapstick in there. I mean, dark comedy, dark humor, sure, but slapstick into all that stuff. There are dark humorous moments as well, like 100%, but there's like some pure just like, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, this is hysterical. <laughs> um, it is like, it's so much going on and, and so many different things that they're balancing. It's one of the highest degree of difficulty movies that I can remember watching. And I thought it was amazing. I thought it was degree of difficulty just watching it or the way it was shot. No, the way it was made and the way that like they edited it and balanced it together and like balanced the tone really well. Like th this is a movie that goes horribly wrong. If uh, like an overly serious director makes it, mm. um, the acting is all amazing. It's like a who's who of like the best Danish actors, like on the planet basically. Um, or I guess like the best Danish actors in Denmark also, um, including Mads Mikkelsen, who is just, like you know obviously Mads Mikkelsen is exceptional uh has been for 
over a decade now, uh, two decades, realistically. Uh, I, I would, if if you are capable of watching international movies, and I know that not everyone is, this movie is in Danish. I would wholly suggest watching Riders of Justice. It was, I thought, amazing. It must be different for you uh, as a film major and you're so into movies of, of actually saying that for the difficulty of way it's shot because in my simpleton type mind i just miss so much of that stuff during movies that i'm like that how did how did i miss that like i remember not a movie but felt like a movie with true detective do you remember when they had that one like long shot yeah for, like the, i don't know how long it was the i didn't four know and a half after, minute like long take i didn't know until after shot. it was one shot and, yeah. and everyone's right in the next day and they're like oh you realize that was that was one shot i said oh Nope, I didn't. Now I do. And I remember watching yeah. Mr. Robot. One of my friends texted me after and said, last, night, last night's episode was crazy, huh? I was like, yeah, no, it was. Like, yeah, Elliot didn't speak the whole episode. I was like, oh, my God, he didn't. So there, <laughs> there's moments that I missed that are supposed to be, like, monumental, and I'm just, my brain doesn't click all the way. Yeah, like, it's, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's, like, you know, the film major in me. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm like, oh, a totally. way more informed movie viewer than I was, like, when I was fucking graduating high school and I was a 22-year-old fucking moron. Like, I mean, it, it's, it, and, like, obviously, like, then I went to grad school and, like, learned more about how to study movies because <laughs> my fucking you, master's is in the entertainment industry, right? And, like, I learned yeah, a lot about the business come of a long movies. Way, come a long way since <laughs> Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Um, but it, with this one, it's more like the way the way it's edited particularly could have gone very wrong if they didn't strike the right balance of like tone and um, strike the right balance of action and uh, the way that it's propulsive in terms of plot uh, and finding the right moments to slow down the plot and like have considerations on like some of these weightier themes that you know I kind of discussed earlier it's I think that like almost the editing is the real like triumph um, but these are yeah I, I certainly pick up on those things maybe a little bit more like even my wife like my wife watches the Laura probably watches pretty darn close to more movies than I do just because I'm as busy as I am and she has weekends off and you know she loves movies just as much as I do and will watch sit down and watch movies um, like she's really good at picking stuff up like that but um, it, it's you know it's um it's something that I went to school for for four years takes time right You're, it's, so, a, it's a craft yeah um, but yeah no I, I was a big fan of Riders of Justice I would wholly suggest everyone go see it if you can watch international film international film a few subtitles get through it we'll get through it folks uh the penny 20 how do we think it went penny your first uh your first official big board on the internet oh i felt well which means it probably went terribly i'm I'm always bad at those reads in terms of the the production value here with limited fireworks and explosions i I, i'm positive i'm in a positive place i love it i absolutely love it folks this has been the game theory podcast please remember rate review subscribe do everything you can to support the show penny where are you this weekend Oh man, that's a good question. I I forgot last. I'm going to Dallas. I'm going to Frisco, Frisco Fieldhouse. Penny's in Dallas. I'm still in Australia, but I do have news for you that the draft guide is expected to come early next week. I'm not gonna say exactly on Monday, but that's the current plan. Um, we'll see if that happens. But uh, you can. Keep it locked at The Athletic. I've written a lot over the course of the last couple days. You're going to have, I don't know if it'll be stories every business day for me, but 
Uh, like I had two go live today. I know that I have one tomorrow. I know that I have one the next day. Like uh, at some point I have to do a mock draft. Uh, like we're, we're going to have a lot of really good stuff at The Athletic. So go subscribe to The Athletic uh, and support the show and support the website. But until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.